purpose and fulfillment and peace, those are God's values. Those are kingdom values. Those are things God wants in your life. He doesn't want the other picture of the struggle and the brokenness and the heartache and the destruction. That's not his picture for you. That's not his, his first, his first plan for your life. When you were formed in your mother's womb, he didn't think to himself, hmm, what hardships can I conspire to put this human being through so that maybe they would fall to their knees and repent and come to me? No, he was like, this person is created in my image, in my likeness. I am weaving them together in their mother's womb. I know every hair on their head. I know the plans that I have for them. They're plans to prosper them, not to harm them. Plans to give them a hope, give them a future. That's God's intention and that's God's heart. Then we have to ask ourselves, if that is God's intention and that's God's heart, why, oh why, oh why are we not living that every single day? It's a good question to ask. Well, you must know that from the very beginning... There has been someone who's been against you, against your existence, against your prospering, against your thriving, against you even coming to know this great God in heaven who has all these plans for you. And he's been in operation since the Garden of Eden, where everything was good and perfect. And he came in and he sabotaged through manipulation and deception the great plans that God had. And he managed to upset the apple cart of God's created order by getting into the heart of Adam and Eve. You see, he is a liar, he is a deceiver, he is an accuser, and his sole purpose is to destroy mankind. And you know, I see so many people who look at life and it's like, They're blaming their ex for their problems. They're blaming their boss for the lack of income. They're blaming the government for not having sorted things out. They're blaming, blaming, blaming. But they're never getting to the root of who's influencing people, situations, governments, etc. And that is Satan. We give him a name because Jesus gave him a name. We manage to acknowledge who it is who is behind the destruction and the distress that is in the world today. We give him a name and we expose him because the Bible tells us that when we submit to God and we resist him, he will flee. But if all our energy goes into resisting people, resisting governments, resisting um, the corporations that we're a part of, if we are operating on a natural basis, we will never live the thriving life because we're here operating in this realm. If you have read your Bible at all, you will see that Scripture tells you to lift up your eyes. Our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. There is spiritual operations, assignments against your life. And that's why coming together and getting around the Word of God is a non-negotiable for us as Christians. Otherwise, we will live in a defeated position. We will live under the, the, the yoke of the oppressor. We will live under the lies of the deceiver. And we will not step into the fullness of who our God, our creator God, created us to be and intended us to live. So I don't know about you, but I am ready to call the liar the liar, get the promises that God has, and to wage the war in between. What about you? Or do you want the great magic ring? The magic easy way out. It's not real. The only option we have is to stand our ground, is to know our God, be empowered by him, and rule and reign on this earth and bring forth everything that he wants us to bring forth. There is no other option. Christians, we cannot be amidst the world's system and think that we are going to be able to bring God's kingdom. And when I say that, I don't mean in sense of we must separate ourselves and go live in, you know, Christianville and just all love each other and be happy and, you know, plant our gardens and no. 
when Jesus left, he said, I leave you as sheep amidst wolves, but I will not leave you alone for I've given you the Holy Spirit and he will empower you and he will encourage you and he will give you strength to rule and reign in that very situation and circumstance that you find yourself in. So I want you to know today that you are fully empowered to live the thriving life. You are fully empowered with the tools that you need. We just need to activate them. We just need to step into them. We just need to get them working. Do I have anybody here today who is ready to say, enough is enough. Enemy, you are defeated and I'm going to live with you under my feet. Not with you on my shoulder or over me. Is there anybody here who is ready to say, enough is enough. I am not living with one nostril above the water trying to survive. That is not my portion. Can I tell you how hard it was for me in preparing the sermon? Because I thought, oh, Jesus, if I am going to, you know, share a message about living a thriving life, surely I should be thriving every day. Surely every day I should be having that amazing quiet time with you, leaving peace over my home, blessing my husband, blessing my children, going to work, ready to fight every battle that comes my way, victorious, overpowered, overpowering the enemy wherever he is manifesting. Surely that is what I should be doing. But I don't live like that. Not every day. I have some days. Those are like, woohoo, that was a good day. But what about the other days where my mind's a mess or I'm just like whacked down with sickness or, you know, my kids are going crazy and I just don't even have the energy to bring order or control. You know, what about those days where it's not thriving? What, what, aren't I a hypocrite to stand and preach this? And I really wrestled with God because the last thing I want to do is bring some hypocrisy into the pulpit. Some kind of, oh, you know what, you can do it, it's fine, my life's all great, just follow me as I follow Christ, you know? It's, <laughs> how do I genuinely go in there and talk about a thriving life when I don't live it on a daily basis? And you know what God said to me? He just dropped it into my spirit and I was just like, Bwah! He said, on those days where you are not living the thriving life, that's when you are reminded that this is not how it's meant to be. This is not your portion. This is not my will for your life. And that is when a righteous anger needs to rise up inside of you. And you say, no, 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 no. I am not going to be subjected to what's going on in my mind. And the headlines and the pressures and the burden. and the, That is not God's portion for me. And to live a thriving life is to say, when things are not as they should be, that's not how it should be. That needs to stop. We're we're, we're not going to let that keep happening. Mind, come into subjection. The word of God says that I have the mind of Christ. Mind, come into obedience to God's word. When my body is feeling weak and I can't, body, rise up. The spirit of the living God is in you to strengthen you and empower you. He is your healer. And the lies come, no, but you're sick. You're not well. Be gentle on yourself. No, get back, you accuser, you deceiver, you liar. The word of God tells him, my God is a healer. He is a strengthener. He is a restorer. I've been created in his image. And you've got to get your fight on. When that relationship, when that relationship that is strained or um, putting pressure on areas of your character that need to change, yeah, you know those ones? Yeah, you got those button pushes in your life. And you just flare out in the flesh <laughs> because you've been provoked and they deserve to hear it and get it. Because I don't listen when you're nice and gentle and kind. Jesus said that I'm to love my enemies. And I'm to pray for those who even persecute me. Can I just have a little bit of self-control to family members who maybe don't clean up after themselves? <laughs> Can I maybe just have a little bit more? Lord, let your grace fall upon me to serve. 
people I work with, people I encounter at the shop who really don't want to serve me, don't want to get me my rolls with a smile on their face, give me my rolls. (laughs) Can I bring the kingdom of God? (laughs) You know what? I had such a good experience at home affairs, actually. Come on. The power of praying in tongues, it can make the cues move faster. <laughs> Telling you, last time last year, I told you, you got to pray all the time in the spirit. You know? Come on. We, we can't operate in the natural realm when we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual authorities on this earth, people. We are created in his image and in his likeness. He has empowered us to rule and to reign. Come on. I love that Jesus spoke these words in Matthew 16. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. My friends, who is the church? This, this nice building that we renovated. Woo, you're going to do a good job out there. Well, you know, this, this building is going to do a great job out there in the marketplace. This building's going to do a great job in your family. This building is going to do a fantastic job in your government department that you're working in. Just, just tell them about the building, the church that you go to. No? Who's the church? Who's the church? Say, I'm the church. I'm the ecclesia. I'm the one who's been called out of darkness into light. Oh, say it like you mean it. I am the one who has been called out of darkness and into light. And God's spirit is upon me to bring change and transformation wherever I go. Whoever encounters me, they're going to encounter Jesus. They're going to encounter the authority of heaven. People, Jesus said he is going to build you up and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. So my question is, is he building you up? Are you allowing him to build you up? Are you on your knees before him saying, Lord, this area of my life is not thriving. Is it because I'm building it and you're not? If your marriage is not thriving, ask yourself the question, are you building your marriage or is Jesus building your marriage? If your finances are not flourishing and thriving, ask the question, Lord, Am I building my financial empire or are you building it? If your children are not thriving, ask yourself the question, Lord, am I building my parenting or are you building it through me? Because God wants to take a marriage that is not thriving and he wants to build it into something that can be a beacon of light and hope to other people. God wants to take struggling Christians financially who don't know how to add and minus and (laughs) work out all their budgets and he wants to take that area of your life and he wants to turn it into a great success story so that others can be inspired. God wants to take your struggling parenting stories and turn them into great victories so that the other parents in the school can say, what happened to your son? How did that happen? Well, you know what? I went on this amazing parenting course and it taught me about love and limits. And I've been applying these principles that I learned at the church course that I did called Love and Limits. And I've just seen such strength coming to his life. I've seen such um, confidence because he knows that I love him unconditionally, but these are the limits and he's not going to cross them. And that person goes, oh, wow. Jeez, that's amazing. You've allowed God to build an area of your life and it's producing a fruit in other people who are struggling to live a thriving life in that area.
Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. If you will let Jesus build every area of your life, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want you to take a moment and I want you to write down areas in your life that God is speaking to you now, saying you need to bring this to me to allow me to build. Allow him to speak to you now. That's why we're together, that the Holy Spirit would operate in our midst. So we know that God wants us to thrive, and we know that um, there is an enemy who really doesn't like us, and he's trying to take us down at every opportunity he can, but we know that Jesus has empowered us as his church and as his people to be able to not tap into a magic ring, but to tap into the word of God, which is full of power and authority, and that as we apply his word to our lives, remember last time I was here, we spoke about having sharp swords and renewed minds. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, if you weren't here, I encourage you to get the, get the podcast, listen to it. Having a sharp sword and a renewed mind will empower you to thrive in your life. So we know that this is what we're meant to be living, but we need some definition. Because before we can look at How do we thrive in our life? We've got to answer the question, what does it mean to thrive in our life? You know, the world is telling us that thriving in our life is luxury houses called mansions, expensive cars. Oh, that was pretty much all they said. Yeah, that's 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 the thriving life right there. And the way we're going to get it is through gambling and through (laughs) these other amazing things. Um... Is that the thriving life? You know, I was really pondering this because I thought we live in a day and age and it's definitely impacting the way we think. It's definitely impacting our value system. It's definitely impacting what we think um, we should be acquiring. And um, I listened to a particular podcast and, and it was an interesting revelation that the guy brought Um, he said, there was a time in society when if you needed a new pair of jeans, you would go to the one shop in the village and you would say, I need a pair of jeans and I'm this size. And they would turn around, find your size and give you your pair of jeans. And those were your jeans. Those were your trousers that replaced your previous trousers that you probably replaced because they were totally worn out. But we live in a generation and an era where what color do you want? What style do you want? Do you want it with rips or no rips? Do you want them tight? Do you want them flared? Do you want them bright colors? Do you want them neutral colors? Do you want them stonewashed? Do you want, we're living in a different generation. And it just got me thinking how easy it is to get swallowed up into a culture. You know, there are, there are places on this planet even now in this time of life, where what type of jeans you wear or don't wear doesn't make any difference because you're actually just trying to stay alive. (laughs) And so we've got to look at this question of what is a thriving life from the perspective of there is a certain cultural context that we're living in. There's a certain time in history, and, and we've got to position ourselves with an understanding of that. And, and, I, and I also was just thinking, you know what, if, if a thriving life is all that the magic ring offers you, everything you want, all the money you want, you know, everybody that you want to come back into your life coming back and all these things, then surely it, it would, the magic ring would be a standard issue when you give your life to Jesus. Be like, yes, you gave your life to the Lord, here's your magic ring, go and have everything you've ever dreamed or conspired or thought about. But God's ways are way above just trying to tickle our fancies and 
what's this person got? And oh, that looks, that looks good. And that, that looks into exciting. And maybe I should do that. Or all these, God's ways are way above it. And that's why as Christians, we've got to be operating in the spirit realm and not living down here in the natural realm. Because when we're in the natural realm, I'm like, well, what's Vanilla doing? Oh, she's got a nice belt on. Maybe I need to get that belt. And what's Spiwe doing? And, oh, he's working in the ministry. Maybe I need to work in the ministry. Oh, but then there's Malcolm. And Malcolm works in the municipality. And Malcolm is the way I need to go. I need to get into government. And then I look at TK and I'm like, no, I need to sing. I've got to be like TK. She's a great singer. And look, everybody looks at her and claps for her when she sings on the stage. And we can go around and around in this natural realm just looking with our natural eyes. And this person's driving this car, and that person lives in that area, and this person's kids go to this school, and that person is studying that, and why did I study this, and I should be studying that? And we live in this natural realm of whatever's hitting our eyes. But when we live in the spirit realm, we see things differently. We operate differently. We still study. We still buy cars. We still send our children to school. We still buy nice clothes. We still operate but from a different perspective. Where are you operating from this morning, church? Down here, looking at everyone? Or up here, being led by the Spirit of God? Letting Him build, letting Him stir, letting Him lead, letting Him guide, letting Him direct. Is the thriving life what your corporation is selling you about keeping climbing that ladder and then all your dreams will come true? Is it the completion of those studies and what that's going to bring in the distant future? Is it the more money, the bigger home, the upgraded car? Is it the lifestyle that you see on the music videos and the Hollywood movies? Is it the popularity on forums like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter? What are you chasing, and will it really cause you to thrive? What are you sowing your life into, and will it really cause you to thrive? Well, let's have a little, a little moment where we look at the Word of God and we let it come and, you know, maybe cut our hearts a little bit because it's good to have the heart cut a little bit by God's Word because then it kind of cuts away at anything that started to cling on. You know, your heart is something so precious. You've got to, you've got to guard it. You've got to look after it because out of your heart are going to flow the issues of life. And it's very easy when you're operating on this level, the, the, the carnal level, that things are attaching themselves to your heart. And it's very important that we have these regroup moments with ourselves. And you kind of have a little business meeting with yourself and say, hey, where's my life at? And am I going after the things that God is wanting me to go after? So let's take a look at some scripture. Right, Matthew six nineteen to 34. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Pause. Selah. Let that go over in your mind. Read it again. Read it to yourself. Read it and ask, God, is this applying to my life in any area? Is there any area of my life where I'm laying up treasures on this earth that I'm chasing after things? I'm, I'm sowing myself into certain things that are just going to go and be laid to waste. Seriously, take a moment right now and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. The next part in the scripture goes like this. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You know, when I was reading this, I just, just screamed out in me, deception, deception. That's what the enemy does. He is the deceiver. He will come and lay up expectations, value systems. He'll come and get that little foothold into your life 
so that you will start to sow yourself into it. You will give yourself into it. You'll get caught up into the wheel that just turns and cranks over and turns and cranks over until you're 60 and you look back and go, what did I do with my life? What did I do? Ask God the question, God, is there any area of deception in my life right now pertaining to your word? When Jesus spoke this word, he was speaking to his disciples because he cared about them. When Jesus spoke these words, he was speaking to people who he wanted to give the right foundations for a thriving life. So he says the same things to us today. Ask yourself the question. Ask God. Open your heart. God, I come before you right now in this moment where we're together gathered in in this in this auditorium, and I, and I ask you, Lord, is there any area of deception in my life? Illuminated, shine your light. I don't want my eye to be bad. I don't want me to think that there's light when it's actually darkness, because how great is that darkness? I want your light to shine in me. Illuminate any area of my life that is caught up in the wrong stuff, that is not going to cause me to thrive as you desire me to thrive. The next part of the scripture goes on like this. Jesus just gets better and better. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is a spirit of idolatry. It's rampant, my friends. It's all around the culture that we are growing up in and raising our families in. It's rampant. Are we here hitting the spirit of mammon every day as we're walking around going about our business? Or are we up here seeing it operating and being like, oh, sure, it's coming after my friend here. I'm going to step in and bring some light into their life. Sure, I can see that's trying to creep in over my family because I'm in an elevated position now. I've got my eyes on things above, not on things below. I'm not operating on the carnal level of life. I'm operating on the spiritual enlightenment and awareness of what's going on. Are you hearing me? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve both. What are you sowing your life into? What are you giving your entire existence to? You're either going to love the one and hate the other. Because, you know what, we would sit here and we'd go, oh my gosh, I never would, I, could, I would never say that I hate God. I, I'd never say that I'm like disloyal to God. I love God. Jesus is my savior. <laughs> Jesus is my, he's my homeboy, you know. We have a picture of Christianity. We have a picture of Jesus He's Lord. He said, I'm Lord of all. Well, don't call me Lord at all. He set the bar really high. There were people who were following Jesus. Eventually they were like, yo, this Jesus thing, it's too hard. Jesus is a cool thing these days. It's so popular. It's so hip and happening in many forums. He's coming after our hearts. You see, he is building a church that the gates of hell will tremble at. He is building a church who will stand and bring his light and his truth and his authority. We're either a part of that church or we're playing church. His words cut our heart. And you know what? He's not, he's not, a, he's not, he's not whipping us. He's just saying, let's have a little moment of introspection and be sure we're on the right track. Yeah? You hearing me? Tap your neighbor and say, sure, she always is heavy. Is that why she only preaches once in a while? (laughs) Gets better, guys. Let's go to the next scripture. Therefore, I say to you, yes, the good news. Yay. (laughs) Don't worry or be anxious or perpetually uneasy and distracted about your life. What you'll eat, what you'll drink or about what your body, what you're going to put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. 
For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into bonds. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He formed you in your mother's womb. His plans for you are to prosper you and to not harm you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. He has given you his word. He has given you eternal life. He has given you his spirit, which empowers you, a supernatural empowerment to rule and reign in a natural world where spiritual activity takes place. He's given you the authority to do it. He says, I love you. I got you covered. What are you sowing your life into? Don't sow it into the down here. Sow it into the up here, and you're going to thrive. And I got you covered. I got you covered. I've got the clothes. I've got the food. I've got the drink. I know you need those things. I've got you covered. Check those birds out there. They're not worrying about that stuff. They're not perpetually consumed with it. Even the lilies of the field that are here today and gone tomorrow, they were better arrayed than Solomon. Let's go to the next scripture. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They can neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. So I have to ask myself this question because, like I told you, I don't always thrive every day. And um, there'll be times that I am grappling with the bills and I'm just like, oh my gosh, did the electricity really just go up again? I switch the lights off all the time. We don't have any excess on. Are you seriously going to put the the electricity bill up even again? And the water bill again? Oh my gosh, I'm drowning here. You know, it's so much. It's too much. You take one step forward, you take three steps back economically. What, what is that conversation in my head doing? It's destroying my faith. Faith rises up and says, okay, Metro Bill, let's have a chat. Thank you, God, that you give me wisdom and strategy as to how to be a good steward of the resources like electricity and water. Help me to have a mind of Christ and to apply proper planning and be diligent and do what needs to be done. If I need to, you know, switch the geezer off during the day and if I need to get solar panels or if I need to, what, 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 what? God gives us wisdom to make rational decisions about natural things. We have the mind of Christ to do that. But he also gives us the spiritual authority to say, Lord, you know that I need more money to pay this bill. So in the name of Jesus, I declare that you are my father and that you care about me, that you've got my back. And as you will take care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the flowers of the valleys of the what, what, that you will take care of me because I am precious to you and I'm important to you. And your faith starts to rise up. Because when Jesus spoke to them, he said, guys, this is available to you, but oh, you have little faith. So if we are not accessing the provision of God in our lives to thrive, then I put a question mark over my faith and your faith. I put a question mark over my tenacity to rise up and to get the word of God and to declare it and to stop thinking on the carnal level and to think on a spiritual level. I put the question mark over the the, the, the passion to cry out and to intercede. And to pray for the righteous to rule over the land because then the people will, will prosper. And because the word of God says that pray for the prosperity of the land. Because in its prosperity, you will have prosperity. In its peace, you will have peace. The word of God says that when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. But when, when, when that's not happening, the people groaneth. You know? So you start to use the word of God. You start to use the spiritual authority, the power that he has given us. To take the ground in the spirit realm. And you start to see the things change in the natural realm. My friends, if we sit here and we go, what is she going on about? Then I encourage you, you need to be at BFC. You need to get some biblical foundations in your life. You need to get some discipleship in your life. You need to get around a connect group where you can be getting the word into you. 
Because we are not of this earth. If you think we're of this earth, we're, we're, you, you got it wrong. Scripture says that we are sojourners. We are here temporarily. That we're actually seated with Christ in heavenly places while we're here on this earth. Let's get our minds around that revelation. You know, we need to start awakening a hunger for the spiritual power that is available to us, is demanded of us. When Jesus said it was better for him to go, I'm sure his disciples were like, Ish, are we, we got to do this now without you here? He said, no, but I'm in you. No longer are you following my lead. I'm directing you and others are following me in you. So hard, Trisha. I know. I know it's hard. But Jesus never said it would be easy. Let's go into the next part. He said, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows what you, that you need all these things. Next one. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Next one. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus knows that there is trouble coming at you every day. He is not setting you up for some la-la land Christian life experience of, yeah, it'll all be fine. We're just going to go through singing and skipping and, you know, picking the flowers and putting them in our hair. And, you know, it's all just easy and wonderful. No, he said, he said. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There's trouble every day. But there's hope in you. There's power in you. There's a way in which the world can change through you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Awaken. Allow his spirit to awaken. Allow his spirit to stir within you. Because where you are in that school as a teacher, where you are in that municipality, in a department, where you are in that that university as a lecturer or a student, where you are in the home as a homemaker, where you are in the business world in some way or form, you are there for a purpose, to bring God's kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness. He will take care of the rest. And I charge you today, church, are you the salt and the light in the place of your influence today? Wherever he has placed you, are you on the front foot or are you on the back foot? Is your, is your heart positioned saying, God, as I go into this meeting, it's a hard meeting. I don't know what to say, but I'm trusting you that your wisdom is going to come through me. Lord, as we work out these policies, I'm trusting you that your values are going to come through me and be burst into this policy-making decisions. Lord, as I go into this classroom and I teach, I'm trusting that your spirit is going to move through me and impact these children's lives who are having a hard time at home and being left to their own devices, literally their own devices, to parent them. (laughs) Father, as I'm in this home looking after these babies, thank you that I will not see this as a lowly task, but I will see it as a chance to impact the next generation with love and care and nurture and to take care of my home. For where you are placed, God has strategically put you. You are the hope of the world. You are the light of the world. And when you are thriving, you prosper as your soul prospers, and you are thriving, you are advancing his kingdom. You are seeking first the kingdom of God, God's righteousness, and the other stuff he will sort out and take care of. What, what I really found interesting about this whole thing of... Um, not laying up treasures for yourself with moth and rust. You know, sometimes there's a mentality that that means we don't need to plan for the future. That's not true at all. God is not saying to you, hey, just, just don't care about anything. I'll, I'll got your back. I'll cover it. No, Proverbs tells us that a good man lays up an inheritance for his children's children. So if we don't have those savings plans in place or some kind of way we're passing on a generational wealth, to the next generation, we're only seeing half of the coin. Okay, this makes sense. We've got to be planners, we've got to be strategic, but we've got to be in faith around it. And we've got to be seeking God, seeking his kingdom in it all. Okay, so if we've got our hearts right, are our hearts in the right place? 
Oh gosh, are we with? Are you with me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So when our hearts are in the right place, and we're going after thriving and the thriving life, let's look at some practicals of how we can do it. Is everybody familiar with what with this? What's this? Lego. Lego. Anybody still play with Lego? No. So, thank you. Someone's honest. Sometimes. At work, you play with Lego. You've got a cool job. <laughs> Lego is like revolutionary. All these little building blocks, different colors, and you create things. It's marvelous. It's like so much fun. Um, my mom sticks her Lego together. I think that's just creepy. She takes Lego, and she, when she's building the, the Lego, whatever, she sticks them so that once it's made, it's like, always in the shape that no little kids can come and lose little pieces. Okay. But anyway, so let's look at Lego. Okay. Um, anybody good at building Lego? Yeah? Liam, you good? I, I can believe that, guys. Are you this good? Let's look at some pictures. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Look at all those little Lego men in church, Lego women. Look at that pulpit. That's pretty impressive. All made with Lego, even those little chandelier things. Yeah. Lego's pretty cool. Let's look at the next one. Making a globe. I think that's pretty impressive. How do you take things that are pretty square and make it round? Okay, next one. Ooh. Who wants a big Lego? I think kids, kids would love that. Imagine having that in your house. A Lego dinosaur. Okay, which, which family member of mine do you think likes that kind of Lego? I mean, look, look at the little water breaking off the back and everything. There's Caleb. Yeah? Okay, let's see, who's, who's that? Okay, which one of my family members might like that? Daniel, yeah? Okay, who's that? Which one of my family members likes that one? That's so Wayne, hey? Okay. Ah, that's me. I'm a Wonder Woman wonder, wannabe. But, but look at the intricacy of that, guys. Those are little individual pieces put together to create a lifelike statue that you can look at that and say, those little individual blocks have made something that I can recognize, and it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool creation. All right, so keeping the Lego analogy in mind. Have you noticed that Lego comes with a blueprint? When you build Lego, you get a whole lot of little pieces, and then there's a blueprint. There's an instruction tells you. You lay that piece down first, and then number two is you get that, and then you add that to it, and then you put the wheels in, and then you create a little masterpiece. It's clever, hey? Who wants to get some Lego? Go home, Father's Day, play with some Lego? No? I think it's pretty fun. So to create a masterpiece of Lego, you've got to have a blueprint. Yeah? What else does Lego come with? It comes with individual pieces, different shapes, sizes. You've got to know which one needs to be put where. You've got to have it well organized and strategically set up. And then the next one, you've got to, you've got to build methodically. You've got to follow the blueprint and you've got to build methodically this piece on top of that piece and then it connects to this piece and then you add the, you don't add the wheels in the beginning, you bring the wheels in later. You know, you're not gonna, you know, do Wonder Woman's crown until you've actually created her head. It just doesn't make sense. So, you've gotta have a strategic way in which you are operating and a thriving life is pretty similar. The stunning creation or the masterpiece of your life can apply the three same principles. Use God's blueprint for your life. Carefully examine and select the right pieces or the building blocks to build your life and strategically and wisely build them. So the blueprint we know is God's word and prayer and we've spent a lot of time over the last few weeks working on that and learning how to pray and and applying God's word to our lives. So that one, we don't have to go into much detail. We just need to do it. And I just need to say that if your world is too full to have 
a thriving time in God's word and in prayer, if your life is too full for that, then you are building on a shaky foundation. Everything that you are doing in your life is on a shaky foundation if you're not applying the blueprint of God's word and prayer in your life. It's almost as if, you know, when there's a building contractor and he's got the blueprint, but he's so busy on site that he's, he's like, yeah, 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 I saw what it said, I saw what it said. And then he's there and he's directing things and he's going on and he's so caught up and he's not keeping going back to the blueprint to check what's happening. Okay, are they doing the right thing? Is that in the right place? So that's why having these regroup moments are so important because you're going back to the blueprint and you're applying, okay, what's happening outside? Oh, no, no, that's a little bit, no, no, they're doing it on the wrong side. You've got to get that realigned. You hear what I'm saying? Okay, so we've got to get that blueprint right. The second thing is the building blocks and selecting the right pieces. My friends, you know, God screamed it over and over and over again into my heart for this message. He said, get my people back to basics. Get my people back to basics. You know, it's the basic, simple things that done, done consistently over time that actually produce the masterpiece of what you're wanting to see. Get back to basics. And a simple example is this. When you were a baby and you had a primary caregiver and they were feeding you, they were teaching you how to move from milk to solid food, what did they do? They mashed up the food so it was palatable, it was small, it was able to just pop it in your mouth and you didn't choke. Yeah? And as you started to master that, then they'd break off little pieces and give you little pieces so that you could practice Chewing and swallowing, chewing and swallowing. And even if you saw a drumstick or a nice big piece of steak and you wanted that, they knew they couldn't give you that because you've got to you know, master the whole chewing and swallowing thing. Otherwise, you might choke and then you might die. It's so the same with our lives. We see the drumstick, we see the steak, and we want that. God's saying, chew and swallow, chew and swallow. Get the basics right then we can build and get onto the more. Have a little moment and ask yourself, are the basic building blocks of your life strong and established in the blueprint of God's word and prayer? What are those basic building blocks? Well, I just threw down a couple of them. What about a faithful daily time praying, reading God's word, walking and talking with him, waiting upon him? What about praying with your spouse? Yeah? You know, there's a lot of power in that. Should we do a show of hands? Who's married? Okay. Now, you don't have to raise your hands for the next question. Do you pray regularly with your spouse? It's an important question to ask. I'll tell you the answer for Wayne and I. It was no. Until we went, hey, hang on. This is a value. This is something important. This is something we have got to be doing regularly. We keep talking about it. We keep wanting to do it. We had to get our diaries out. We had to put it in our diary. 6 a.m. every morning, we are going to meet and we're going to pray. Yeah, we had to get practical about it and actually put it there and have it as a little appointment because we're so busy with other parts of life. And so, you know, we don't just take it as a, as a norm that it's going to just happen in your marriage. It's something that you've sometimes got to work at and prioritize and value and go after. But I tell you something, married people, there is so much power in your agreement. There is so much power released in the spirit realm when you two get together and you say, God, we thank you that you are in control of such and such and such. We thank you that you are for us as a family. We thank you that this household will serve you and our children will grow up to worship and adore you and love you and live out the calling on their lives. So married people, do not neglect the power that is available in your agreement to praying together. What about regular times of communion as an individual or as a family or with people you live with in your house? They're coming together around the Lord's Supper. Don't just wait until we're here together and maybe you came, you know, on that Sunday. Make it a regular part of your life. It's a building block. What about not neglecting together the gathering of the saints? 
coming together like this. You know, I think I'm going to preach an entire sermon on honoring God's house. When we come together for worship at half past eight, this room is almost empty. And I'll tell you something, it's shameful. And I put myself in that same category because I am often rushed and distracted and got so much going on and, you know, I've got to be in kids' church and I've got to do this and kids don't want to come to church today and da-da-da and da-da-da and da-da-da-da-da-da. Guys, coming together to worship is releasing a sound over our city of God's praises. It's releasing a sound of agreement. And where it's the saints dwell together in harmony, there is a blessing that is commanded. There is something that is incredibly powerful about us meeting together every single week. Uniting in heart, getting around the word, fellowshipping, engaging one another, chatting, building, building friendships, supporting each other. Why do you think it is so hard to get here? Because the enemy doesn't want you to be here. He doesn't want me to be here. He wants us to be harassed and stressed. And I want to encourage us. I think we should really do an entire series on the house of the Lord. And, and, and starting with myself, stir up a fresh commitment and passion. Because this is where our spiritual authority is being, it's like our arms are being linked around the city of the spiritual realm. Yeah? Okay. Right, I'm not going to say any more on that because I think there's a whole sermon there. But be, be early next week. Hey, I will say one thing. I, I was so inspired by this one family. Sunday nights, they would get everything ready. They would trim their nails. Everybody would wash their hair and have a shower. They'd put out their clothes because the following morning, they were going to the house of the Lord to meet with God's people. And they were going to worship the God, the creator of heavens and earth. And at first when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's quirky. That's like really old-fashioned. And now because I can see the, just the power that there is in us being together, I'm like, I'm going to wash my hair on Saturday nights. I'm going to trim my nails. I'm going to choose my outfit. Because coming into God's house refreshed and inspired and, and hungry is going to produce a greater fruit than running in last minute for the last song. So I can quickly sit down. Kids have been shipped up. Whew. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah? All right. I'm convicting myself. So don't sit there thinking I'm whipping you. I'm not. I'm convicting myself. But we can all do better. Next Sunday, we're going to be here 20 past 8. If you're serving, you're going to be here 20 past 7. Are we going to be here 20 past 8 next week Sunday if you're not serving? Oh, that's a very weak yes. Are you going to be here at 20 past 8 next week Sunday? Tap your neighbor and say, I'm going to try my best. All right. I have so got to wrap up. So I'm going to, I'm going to just mention a couple other aspects, building blocks. Perhaps there's an aspect of your parenting, your financial stewardship. You fill in the blanks. Whatever that is that you need to get back in sync. Because the two main building blocks that we need to build on in our lives are very simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Ask yourself that question every day. Lord, as I come before you, am I loving you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, and all of my mind? Am I doing that? Is there any area where there's deception in my life? Would you come and illuminate it? Would you just come and speak to me? Because I want to be your salt and light in this earth. I want to be empowered by you. I want to operate on that level of spiritual authority that you have for me to operate on. That's the strategic building block. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, all of your mind. And the second building block is love your neighbor as yourself. It's really as simple and as difficult as that. Love your neighbor as yourself. I love what Mother Teresa said. She said to have spoken these words, spread love everywhere you go. First of all, in your own house, give love to your children, to your wife, your husband, to the next door neighbor, 
Let no one come to you without leaving better and happier. Be the living expression of God's kindness. Kindness in your face, kindness in your smile, kindness in your warm greeting. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14 says, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Galatians 5, 6, Paul said, The only thing that counts is faith expressed through love. The simplicity of life is also the beauty of it. The quiet, peaceable life of loving and playful relationships. Enjoying the beauty of creation. Provision of food and drink and the satisfaction of bringing joy to others. Those you know and the stranger. Peace restored during conflict through humility. Responsibility for wrongs and forgiveness. Making the effort in the small things. A smile, holding the door for a stranger, a warm embrace. These make life more radiant. It's the small things. Let's get back to basics. Let's thrive in the basics. And when we're thriving in the basics, we'll see how the more gets added and that we will operate in the spiritual authority that God has for us to operate in. And we will truly be the light in the darkness. God believes in you. God loves you. God says that he can come alongside you no matter what hardship you're facing. If, you're, if you are really struggling and you are stressed out and you don't know how to even just start to get a grip on your lives, come and speak to me afterwards. There's a psychologist friend of mine. She's running a course. She's been a great help in many people's lives in this church. And she's running a course, and you can go be a part of a bigger group and just get a grip on life if it's running ahead too much. Another fantastic opportunity is Dr. Caroline Leaf. She's coming to South Africa. She's going to be here in August. She is phenomenal in the area of our minds and our, how our thinking affects our physical brain, which affects our physical body, bodies and our ability to thrive. So if you're interested in that, you can look that up on the internet, Dr. Caroline Leaf. There are so many resources available to help us. There are so many people who are willing to avail themselves to help us to thrive. We just need to have the willing heart to say, God, I really am a living sacrifice. You bought me at a price. As Romans 12 says, that it's our reasonable worship to offer ourselves as living sacrifices for God to live and move through in every aspect of our lives. Amen. Amen. Can we finish off with this? There's a, um, there's a little prayer that, that I constructed. If you feel comfortable to turn to your neighbor and just to pray this prayer of blessing over them, would you do that? Would you just take a moment and just, if you don't know them, maybe introduce yourself, say, hi, my name's so-and-so. Do you, do you mind if I pray with you? And just release a blessing because the, the power of life and death is in your tongue. Release a blessing over the person next to you. And then I'll pray and then we can go and have tea and coffee. I'm going to pray a blessing over us from the book of Ephesians. I would like to ask you to just raise your hands as a sign of surrender. Raise your hands as a sign of receiving from your heavenly Father. And Lord, as I proclaim this blessing over your your church this morning, your people, your beautiful children, I thank you that every word that has been from you would be rooted and grounded in their hearts. And it would produce a great and mighty harvest of faith and righteousness. Lord, anything that has been carnal or anything that was, was from me and silly or shouldn't have been there, just let that be like water off a duck's back. But I release this blessing. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family 
in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let it be. Selah. Let's go have some tea and coffee. Enjoy your Sunday. I'll see